Here we are, Ellery. Hi. Hello, Lisa. It's good to be here. Thank you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you, Ellery. It's been such a joy to get to hear other people's stories and processes and, and yeah, I'm really honored to be on this side with you and to, yeah, to see where, where we go. Okay, so here we go. So we're introducing Ellery to Remembering Us. A podcast about people who are on the path, they're dedicated to racial healing, racial justice, and we're curious about the stories that that got us here. So Ellery is somebody who has been active in anti-racism work for the past decade and was a co-leader at East Bay Meditation Center, White and Awakening, and Sangha crew that I had the, the great privilege to participate in, not in yours, unfortunately. Um, Ellery is also a member of Soka Gakkai International Buddhist Community and working as an employee coach and healing-centered coach with folks who have formerly been incarcerated. So once again, it's truly an honor to be with you in this space, Ellery. Um, before we go in, uh, how do you feel about doing a ground? Mm, I would love, I would love a grounding. Sounds great. Ground me too. All right. So find or, no, let's like intentionally put ourselves into our seat. So that seat could be literal, it could be figurative, it could be that you're standing and you find your body over your feet, it could be that you're intentionally putting your body into uh, a place of stillness and maybe there's support by a chair or the ground. So intentionally collecting yourself into your seat. And then when you feel comfortable, you can either close your eyes or keep the eyes open, but either way, begin to relax, intentionally relax all the muscles behind the eyes. So sending a message through the muscles of the eyes that, that they don't need a strain right now to, to see, to notice that there's this, this softening, there's this receptivity of the eyes, open or closed. And then... Sometimes when I come into stillness, it's hard to locate different parts of my body. So sometimes I just say to myself, with an inhale and an exhale, I have a body. 
So we're going to practice that here. So in your intentional seat of, of dignity, of support, with each inhale, you'll say to yourself internally, I have a body. And with the exhale, I have a body. And maybe with the saying of those words, letting them begin to permeate internally, there begins to arise sensation. Maybe there's a, a feeling of, of tingling. Maybe there's pulsing in the body. Maybe you are able to locate a specific part where you feel those sensation, or maybe it's just the sensation that is being observed, that is being known. And then bringing your awareness to the breath and noticing the, the movement of the breath. There's the, the air-like, wind-like quality of an inhale and an exhale in your body. Maybe you can begin to notice the length of the inhale and the exhale. And without, without controlling, without changing, just noticing if the, the inhales and the exhales feel long, they feel short and choppy. And then taking a couple breaths to collect your awareness into the base of the spine. And in that vicinity, you begin to feel the support, the, both the lifting up of the earth to hold you and the gentle flowing down of gravity that meets the earth. So there's this lifting and this lowering into, this settling into, with the support of the ground, the earth, the chair, and gravity that is holding you in that place of connection. And then with the next couple breaths, we'll bring our awareness to the top of the head. So again, without any straining, there's a gentle lifting. There's a, a sense of, of dignity in your posture, in the holding of your body.
I'm taking a moment before we come back to the space to acknowledge all of the other bodies that have contributed to you inheriting this body. When you feel ready, if your eyes are closed, gently blinking, the eyes open, taking your time to let colors, shapes, textures come in through the eyes, noticing your surroundings and the space that you're in. And we'll find our way back to each other here. So, Ellery, now that we're a little bit more in our body, what is the origin story of of how you got here, of what has shaped who you are? Where does it all begin? <laughs> oh, man, there is no beginning. Um, and, um, I'll, I'll start with my grandparents. I'll start with my grandparents on, uh, my father's side. They grew up in the so-called Michigan, Adrian near Detroit and, um, later moved to Northern Michigan. And then we settled in, um, Grand Rapids, my nuclear family, Furia land um and my grandparents on his side were the mutts right we hear about so often in the mutts the french the the german uh a little bit of english i guess our name is english graves but that that's the illustrious side uh, and i'm sure many can identify with an, an illustrious side where there's not a whole lot of information getting passed down Especially when when generations die, it kind of it becomes harder to to find, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, but I know that we are largely German on that side, and on my mother's side as well. Um, on her side, her, fa- her whole family is from so-called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch, which is German, and yeah. And that has been kind of a rooting place for me because her family has stayed in that area for some generations. And from what I know, her great-grandparents moved there pretty much within 50 miles of where they are now. And the interesting part is that my mom is the only one who left of our whole extended family there. Other than and some of her, you know, distant cousins and things. Um, but in our in our our side of the family, she moved to Michigan and that's where she met my father. And um yeah, it's an interesting thing because now I'm the one who who left our little area to California about eight years ago. So 
it's an interesting journey that we've unpacked together. And um, yeah, that that has been my beginnings. And, and as far as shaping who I am, oh my gosh. So my desk is very much, uh, very family oriented, very, his, him and his siblings got a big family. Him and his siblings are just so goofy, you know, jumping on each other's backs, no matter, you know, they're, they're getting into their upper 60s, you know, and just making fun of each other every minute that they can. And, uh, but there's a lot of love there. There's a lot of genuine care um, and, and open-mindedness I've found, you know, um, which is been so refreshing even in a kind of small town culture on that side so yeah and and contrast on my mom's side in Pittsburgh I always wondered I'm like what is this grittiness like what is this this kind of this like tension it's like a very loving potent connection but also a very fierce and very uh there's a lot of a lot of rub you know and like I think a small town kind of situation where everybody knows everybody or everybody's in the same neighborhood. It there's a lot of drama and a lot of exciting things, and um, and underneath you can feel some 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 pain. And um, so that's where I've been really drawn to understanding more because uh, I understand that is a part of me as well, even if I didn't grow up there, but visited, and so. Yeah, and that's that's my origins as of here. Did they talk about on either side? Do, did they talk about nationality? Did they talk about race, um, traditions, either of you know the United States or traditions that were carried through from Germany or you know, on your dad's side, England or France? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely on my my mom's side. It's it's pretty apparent. It's so funny. The my grandfather, my pop, I call him my papa, my bestie. <laughs> he still speak some German, but not in a way that he's speaking fluent German. In, in a way of his little, uh, we call him Donism. His name is Don, but his little puns and his little, you know, his little comments about something. But as far as traditions go, really, there's some subtle traditions through food, um, like pork on New Year's. Always eat pork on New Year's because the new, the nose leads ahead to the New Year, and uh, with the sauerkraut and the whole nine. And yeah, there's little traditions like that that I've seen. There's a, definitely some unique Pittsburgh traditions that are very strong there. I go back and I'm like, everybody always eats this little cabbage roll with rice inside and tomato sauce, tomato sauce on everything. Like, what is this? So funny, um, picking up those things. But um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch in that area. But race race is a topic at our dinner tables because they know I'm there. <laughs> um, yeah, is it kind of like the conversation changes quickly or is there a little bit of like dismissal? You know, what... How? What are the responses on at your table? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it used to be when I was really in the throes of understanding whiteness. It was rough. It, anything would come up. I would get emotional. You know, become this whole discussion. 
you know, you don't understand me me saying that. Just not a uh, not a healthy dialogue. And I think part of growing there's there were times when something was said at a like large family gathering and I was like, mm, that mm, doesn't feel good. But I knew I didn't have the words to say what it was that I was feeling or how to articulate exactly what wasn't cool, but it's become a mainstream kind of viewpoint given media, right? So yeah, I knew I've known I try to sit with where I'm at and accept where I'm at at each at different phases and different times because it's not linear. You know, we know it's not it's not linear, but but yeah, now the conversations have definitely changed. And um, I think topics on dinner tables have changed, you know, with the George Floyd protests. A lot of topics of conversation across dinner tables were defunding police. What does this look like? Let's, let's talk about the racism that's still here. You know, is it just that one cop? Is it just that one cop? Or is this something that is alive and well and in our face. So yeah, so the conversations have changed and so the love, the the keeping the relationship at the center. We know we will have that love, right? We can debate, we can talk, we can disagree, we can agree, we can find commonalities, but we know that there's still love there. We're not going to X each other out. Yeah. Well, I just I completely relate to this whole evolution of how <laughs> you're approaching the dinner table with family, so to speak, <laughs> of like the first process of being emotional. I can so relate. And then and so I'm wondering, yeah, what has been because you talked about your evolution, how you're having these conversations with your family and there's more concrete instances that are happening with the death of the murder of George Floyd and, and how you're having these dialogues and you're keeping love at the center. There's this sense of, of confidence, of trust that there isn't going to be a severance in the relationships. I think that's just so profound. And I wonder if you could like, yeah, speak more to your racial healing journey in this in this process. Yeah, well, well I grew up in the burbs uh, in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, a pretty conservative city. And uh, yeah, our our neighborhood was not very diverse. And my best friend of 25 years. Um, who moved to our neighborhood from India. Our conversations were pretty, um, it was pretty funny. We were always like, man, screw Americans. They're this, they're ignorant. They only know one language. It was a cultural, global lens of feeling something wasn't right about this so-called American dream and neighbors having that attitude of, oh, you're not following the rules. You know, my sister had long, black hair and punk and emo and it was just this like she's she's not doing it right and many different stories of microaggressions towards my friend and neighbors um so yeah so there's definitely this unique lens but it was there was no framing of whiteness really it was like american 
you know, I didn't have that depth. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, later on, I went to school. I went to a study abroad program when I was in college. And, oh, my God, this program was all about globalization development and anti-oppression. It was a really solid program um, where we are we were with community members who were fighting a damn project because of it displacing their neighborhood where they had lived for several generations. And the discussions that were happening between different communities about what do we do? Do we take the compensation from the government? Do we move? No, you know, some people know we, we've been here. We, this is where we grow our medicine, our food. So that was an interesting lens that opened up a lot for me because we also had an anti-oppression focus, not only globally and globalization and development and what was happening, but also in the so-called U.S. that gave me different language that I wasn't used to and diving into. And then after college, I worked at the Urban League of Greater Madison in, in Madison, Wisconsin. And juf, then, then the, the veil came off and I, it was a black led organization and I awoke largely to the fact that there was disconnection between me and my coworkers or, or people we were serving because I didn't know a thing about the black experience in America. There was a clear blank spot that felt so huge in my knowing, in my spiritual knowing, in my brain, my body, everything. It felt so separate. And it was a beautiful thing because it made me feel how deep this wound was in this country and made me dive into try to understand it because the most important thing to me has always been deep and meaningful relationships to people around me. And if I don't understand somebody's perspective, you know, when I started to feel the pain, that is the inequality. Yeah, that 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 left through me for a loop. It turned me upside down and it made me want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper um, to really understand what the hell this world is really about. I'm I'm curious about that because in that moment when you felt that disconnect, when you felt, when you realized that there was something distinct about your experience and your coworkers and their experience in Black bodies in this country, there was, in that moment, there was an opportunity for you to just kind of shove it off, you know, and write it off as, oh, well, we don't get along or, you know, fill in the blank. And, you know, it's a part of speaking to the privilege of being in this white body that I think about a lot. It's like, you know, what am I contributing to in this legacy of whiteness in this moment? And you spoke to connection, that being the motivating factor of wanting you to dive into this world. You were picking up on a world. and and I'm wondering where that came from, where that piece came from of honoring the value of connection because 
in the society, the the mainstream dominant society, that's that's not taught. That's not celebrated, you know. Like, so I'm wondering, you know, in your journey, where that came from. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Largely intuition. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Really feeling something, but not knowing something, not knowing a whole lot, right? And feeling. I am. You know, I've always been a feeling forward person. Mm-hmm. And um, being ignorant is not okay in my book. You know, we should be open to, I believe I, I wanted to be open to anybody and everybody's perspective because I think we can add value to each other. And when there's a wound that involves my people and another group of people, there's healing. There's healing that needs to take place, and it starts with me. It 100% starts with me. What is this going on? How come I've been also lied to, right, by media, by the social norms, by everything I've been taught? And when that veil comes off, what the hell? What the hell is this underneath? And it's painful. That shit is painful. It was painful to hear stories of coworkers who lost this person and lost that person, lost that person within a few months of working there, right? And seeing the real situation that come up that I was astounded with. And that just goes to of the separation, the segregation, right? Of all these systems and how in housing and redlining and to not even know you know, really what someone else's experience is who doesn't have the same skin tone as me. Wow. It really speaks to like really demonic brilliance in of like the structure of segregation and the intention of segregation because you just spoke to it and lived it so clearly and spoke to it so eloquently about how being separate, you don't know what is happening. You don't know what life and, and experiences are like when when you're not in relationships, when you're not in sharing neighborhoods, when you're not going to the same schools, when you're not in the grocery store together. And and so as a white person being c- confined in a bubble, it's like no wonder that for so long I was like, I don't I Things like things are all right because mm-hmm. it's set up to keep this veil over yeah. over my eyes. It's this demonic brilliance, and it's um, incredibly harmful. And so, I'm wondering now where you're focusing most in your healing now these days, and how that how that translates in in action in relationship. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I um, definitely, as I started diving into this wound, in that the more horrific of the reality check it was for me, the more I distanced myself from other white people. Yeah. So I moved to Oakland and um, honestly, I wanted to see 
a space where Black people were in power um, in different positions and in different spaces. And uh, I just needed to understand a culture outside of my own, for sure, that has been my neighbor. So, yeah, so I did distance myself from a lot of white people when I got here. I did. And I, you know, got that tick where I was like, oh, he's so white. Which is so stupid because when you look in the mirror and what are you going to do? You're like, oh, you're white. (laughs) I am white. I'm right here. My family's white. This is who you are. So how do you simultaneously hate yourself and your people because of how disgusting this process has been that has created this power structure and dehumanized people for 400 and some change years? And how do you still love yourself entirely and your family and people you care about around you. And so that has been the journey, the journey of a lifetime, coming back to love myself, to respect myself, to have dignity, to work through things with my mother. Oh my goodness. It's been amazing. Um, Realizing, thanks to one of my fellow coaches um, during a healing center coaching program, accepting what you cannot change. I cannot change my mother. I cannot change anybody. I can only change myself. And when I came to accept her and her values and who she is and her wounds, I realized how much I wasn't accepting myself to not have done that before. Because I am her. I am her daughter. I am her. I am my father. I am my grandparents. That is who I am. So, so where I'm at now is, is there and finding a new way of healing. Like so many of us organizers are really focusing right now is, you know, if Proud Boys and these Patriot groups are going to have open arm policies and hold barbecues and support people's families that are suffering and have that mentality to bring people in who are in the middle how come anti-racists are shutting the door and saying you're not good enough, you're not anti-racist enough, you're not saying the right words, you can't come in the club, right? How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We have to change our whole perspective. And and this is not my original idea. It, it is a collective consciousness that I believe we are moving towards. And it really shapes how I'm moving right now because we need each other. We do. We all need each other. And the cancel culture is, is not is not working for that. I am so I just all oh, like my whole body just took this like, oh, yes, I'm so glad you're speaking to this and you're feeling into this. You're moving with this moment because, yeah, the the way I've been seeing it is like. I'm like this is it, you know. This is this is the same stuff, man. The same othering, the same binary way of thinking, bad, good, and it's the same qualities of this like system of domination. We're talking about segregation, but like separateness, 
and and it comes in this different form and maybe the idea is thinking like I'm protecting something when underneath it's the same energy it's the same you know you're out so that means I'm in which means I'm above and so it's the same structure of hierarchy really that is happening within white spaces it's a big conversation you know and um really fascinating to hear you talk about the proud boy yeah my it's it's bringing in and then the way the anti-racist movement within white folks is so cutthroat yeah yeah it's a slippery slope it's a slippery slope and like that's where like the you know the constantly having the self-reflection and people in your life that hold you lovingly accountable to to really you know like dive into this where what are the roots of what of what my actions are in this moment um wow so and i just you know you brought up healing with with your mother so you're talking about your nuclear family and how impactful that has been in you coming into yourself and I'm wondering what your connection is now to kind of widening out to your ancestors beyond the nuclear family. Mm, yeah, that's been a journey too. And yeah, realizing that chain, that link of lineage and yeah, and I went to visit my papa a couple weeks ago with my mom, and and um, you know, everyone's like, "Oh my God, you look just like your grandfather!" Right? And um, so, yeah, in meeting some of his family members who have passed, specifically one of his sisters, my aunt Wanda, my great aunt Wanda, she sticks with me a lot because of who she was and her fierce spirit. Um, to back up and do what needs to be done, to have integrity in each moment and to make people feel warm and loved, but it's still got that gritty, like make fun of you edge. It's just, it's, it feels like home to me. Um, and my gram, my, my gram who passed, my Grammy who uh, was his wife um, on my mom's side and, Feeling her and her things that I know she, um, feeling through her story that I know what she would want for me. And having those moments where I literally, I have a drawing of her that I did the week that she passed. And it was on one of my desks on the edge, kind of propped up against the wall. And I was making this move in a, in a romantic relationship that was not good for me. And I was not speaking to my power, speaking to my agency, speaking to my dignity. And I was being weak, really. And something moved in the room. I don't even know how, but her picture went behind the wall, popped out lower. And it was just her eye that was, <laughs> that was looking in my direction based on what was covered, what was not. And it was like, damn, girl, I understand. I hear you. You're right. You're right. I need to step up. I need to be real with what is going on and I need to do better. I, 
know, that was one of the first moments where I was like, oh, okay. Yep. The spiritual connection is here. It is, it is here and alive and well. And, um, yeah, those have been powerful moments and rebuilding my connection with my grandmother on the other side who died when I was younger and she loved hummingbirds. And I remember doing some ancestry research and I don't feel as connected to her. I haven't felt as connected to her because I was young when she passed. But I remember there was a, I was doing that research and thinking about her and our connection. And all of a sudden a hummingbird came outside my window, just hovering towards me looking at me in front of this tree on the second story and I was like okay okay this is a connection that we have to be open to that I want to be open to to feel or to understand or to to see and then of course with that healing of of having dignity and being what is now called white feeling like oh my ancestors racist oh what did they do five generations back you know who knows i don't know but i have learned to assume the best intention through me through what i choose to do intentionally that they have my back and that they are going to support what is right and no matter what they did in their lifetime they have my back to support what is right right now. So that is strength that I lean on all the time. And I'm so grateful for this movement that has resurged in opening to, because I remember a time I was like, do white people have ancestors? Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Do we have it? <laughs> you too? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, completely. No, I was like, ancestors are for other people. Like, oh, I wonder what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make a bit of sense. It's so funny. It's so funny. Right? The disconnect, the disconnect of so many different realms, the disconnect from people, the disconnect from self, the disconnect from, yeah, from family, from history, mm-hmm. from stories, from truth. Mm-hmm. I know what yeah. it is. I was like, I know for me in... And being on this journey of learning about certain ancestors on my side of the family, folks have asked me, are there some ancestors that you feel are not supportive of, of you doing this work or, you know, unveiling the truth? And, and it's just, and it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm really, you know, I appreciate hearing you talk about you feeling supported and through, you know, the embodiment of who you are and how you are um, moving through the world, you are experiencing their support. And it goes to like, you know, the dynamic of relationship and how we're in relationship with people, but we're also like interpreting, you know, who they are. And and so you're holding them in your life as these pillars of support. And as a response, they're, they're coming through. You know, your grandma's like sliding under. It's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> Loud and clear, grandma. Loud and clear. Um, yeah. Has that been a part of your process, though, about thinking like, 
you know, because you talked earlier about in your journey of, you know, reconciling with realizing the exponential like harm that whiteness has caused and also and also cultivating compassion you know through your process and and not disconnecting from other white folks so I'm wondering if that happened in in your family with people in your family with ancestors or people that are closer that you had that same yeah like rub it's mm. deep and it's hard so yeah I'm I'm wondering if that happened in your experience mm-hmm. yeah definitely with definitely with me and my papa we can go all day you know while Fox News is on on his TV and go all day in on the debate and it's got a political slant and it's like look there's black republicans too you know and it's like oh my god okay we get it yes that's okay um, but no, when we get really to core of issues, it's like, okay, this is how framing happens, you know, and, and what recognizing the language that gets used politically from all directions and sides. And let's get to the core. Let's get to the values underneath these triggers. And let's talk about that. Where, where do we have a line? One. Um, that's a good place to start from. But that has not always been the case. And with me and my papa, oh my God, literally, we were yelling one time, his teeth came out into his hand. I cussed at him. I'm not proud of it. We've been in some moments together. And, um, you know, but he always, you know, he knows I'm going to come and just kick it with him for a week so we can spend time just me and him. I'm I'm going to be there. I will be there because he means so much to me. And I see so much of myself in him. His fierceness, his love, his mischievousness, his little kiddishness. I, I, yeah, I, love it. I love him so much. And so that has been a really big gift, that relationship, especially working through probably the most polarized of our family uh, in terms of me and him and, and having one of the strongest bonds at this time. Was, oof, I'm so grateful for that guy. <laughs> I bet it's so beautiful for so many people, even beyond you and him, you know, not to mention what you two get to feel together in this connection, in this relationship, and and all the other folks. I don't know if they're nieces and nephews, you know, but to see that, like, what a model, you know, what a model that's existing in real time, that naturally. Well, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's been... It's been a beautiful challenge, definitely. And my my Buddhist practice, my chanting, I'm your whole Renge Kyo. Let's keep it grounded. Let's keep it centered. Be intent. You know, our best selves. Let's bring it. Best selves. Hell yeah, so. right? Like knowing, yeah. Pulling on the, the tools when when you need them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bringing you back to like what you were saying before, like reminding, kind of clearing the the clutter to what's the value here in your, in your relationship. That connection is of the utmost value from what you you know what you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, we've been talking about 
Yeah, we were talking about your family, your ancestors, the lineage that that you've descended from. What do you what are you envisioning for yeah, for the the next generations to come? How do you envision the the legacy that that you're going to leave? You know, what do you want to be passing on to the next generation, blood wise, you know, and, and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another piece when we talk about movement ancestors who have been gifts and knowledge and information and, and practices and wisdom in this work and, um, and visioning as things change so rapidly, especially with technology and now, and being a part of the moment, social media things spread so quickly, right? And our consciousness is collectively moved so fast, right? And right now, my focus is on what are our values? What is the purpose? Why are we here? If we can each define why I'm here, is it just to wake up, eat, put some dinner on the table? Oh yeah. Okay. That's where we're at. Is, is our purpose? What are we, what, what makes us get up in the morning? Right? Is it for our child? Is it for our grandparent? Is it, what is it for? Is it for our collective healing? What is it for? And I think part of that separation that whiteness has been is a, like, oh, chase the dream. You'll get there. Sure. Just join this club. Call yourself white. You're not Polish. Nope. You're white. You're not German. You're white. Get, get Join this club and you will get there quicker. I don't care if you're poor or if you're rich. This is the club you want to be in. Right. And I was so strategic. Mm. And so undoing that when so many people get there generation after generation it's like oh, okay we'll get a little bit ahead a little bit ahead maybe behind up or down okay okay now i have enough okay now my kids have enough okay what is it all for yeah. and what destruction has it caused being mindless in the chase huh. and so if we can tap into what are we here for individually our family collectively our community our neighborhood what is going on in our neighborhood if we can tap into that and pause i'll give credit to my healing center coach mentor and teacher leslie avant brown in blooming willow coaching the pause the pause is everything can we pause in the moment can we pause in the the chaos can we pause with what is flowing through us even in moments where I felt white supremacy was flowing through me in my body in that moment from conditioning who knows but I could feel it and pause or if the moment happened so quick atoning what is atoning looking like oh it's so simple it's so human nature apologize be real be real with yourself in that moment. Be humble in that moment and understand that this was not birthed in you. This did not start within you, within this year, within this moment. This is a long legacy of manipulation and control based in fear. And it will come through. 
it will come through. And if it didn't, then we wouldn't be in this place right now. We'd all be great, little good hearted. Uh, I love everybody. And we'd be in a different place. And so that intention and grounding in what are our values and how do we want to move towards those is where I am focusing right now, envisioning towards how do we have real community relationships and care for one another and work through wounds because wounds are a nest between each other, between our families. They are painful and rough and not easy to get to and work through solely and having support with that and openness to each other's pain that we cause or that have been caused to us is where I'm at and where I vision we can go, continue to go, continue to go. Yeah. So that's, that, that's where I see. Wow. I feel inspired. I feel inspired. I just like, wow, this energy is flowing straight into my heart. I'm like, yes. Ellery, I'm just so happy that you exist. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, with all of this, I mean, it's so beautiful to hear you talk about you know, the legacy and the, the, the transmutation that has happened across generations through you, you know, like through the lifetimes that you have experienced in all these different places that you've been. And in thinking about all of this, what are you most thankful for? What are you most moved by? Hey, <laughs> I I will definitely say this. Um, I have been shown a different way of loving that I'm really grateful for. Um, I've had mentors. I've had just people by my side and vice versa that have shown me a more genuine and real way of loving one another, of going from that place instead of judgment um, and and embodying that love in a way that I hadn't felt. Um, and yeah, it has challenged me to rework the beginnings of of who I am and rebuild and spread that because I think that's where we've come from as humanity. We have that place of looking out for each other, of caring for one another, even as strangers, mm-hmm. of respecting each other. Um yeah, and 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 standing up for what we feel. And not being afraid to hash it out from a place of love or from a pra- a place of of understanding, and um, that that is what I'm most grateful for because it reflects in every area of my life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely reflects from you too. Like it, like it emanates from you too. Like you are embodying this experience of of love, and it makes me think about. 
you know, the subtle and not so subtle difference, like a subtle of words, but not a meaning that you are fighting not against something, but you're fighting for love. You're fighting for connection. You're fighting for this remembrance of this this wholeness, this innateness of of who we are as as humans. And it's a really profound shift from fighting, you know, the arms up and, you know, like against something. It's like, you know, what are you? Yeah, you, you speak a lot to what you're for. And, and to me, that translates to like sustainability. You know, like this is, this is going to be fuel for, for you. Um, yeah. And just what a, you know, a strong motivating factor. Right, right. It's, it's, yeah, that's, it does build momentum when it's something you can see towards growing towards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pulls us in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wow. Is, you know, before we, we end this, you know, format of a conversation but the conversation of course continues but in this realm is there yeah like is there anything else you want to that's that's with you right now i i just am grateful for the the place that we're in in time, it feels like there's been a rapid catching up and a lot of people are joining this movement. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that aspect of how quickly it's evolving. And I am hopeful that we can evolve anyway, like you said, that is sustained and that builds that momentum Mm -hmm. and uh i see a lot i see it a lot and so i'm really grateful and um yeah grateful for stories because that's how i learn i mean a book okay great but grateful for each other learning from each other first and foremost so that's when i'm feeling a little hurt oh that's beautiful Thank you so much for sharing all of all of these wonderful stories and bringing in all these people the, um, and yeah, and for sharing yourself with us. And yeah, I'm sitting with like, you know, we went back in time, but I just feel like it's sitting with you right now. I'm like, wow, this is, this is also, I feel like I'm living in a forward thinking moment of like this, this feels like it has longevity, you know, this, what you're bringing right now, what you're talking about, the way that you're approaching um, anti-racism, justice, you know, love. And so, um, yeah, so you're, you're, I'm, I'm calling in like this, like strong feeling of, of like hope in a real alive way in talking to you. So I appreciate I appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for all your framing and, and 
of seeing the threads <laughs> as they're un unraveling. Beautiful way of doing that. This was wonderful. Um, okay. Until until next time. Until next time. Let's do it. Thank you.